Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Well, drum roll, we are getting ready to kick off marriage. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. And our first official couple, we couldn't be more excited to sit down with, and it is Elaine and Steve Franklin. Yes. Almost 50 years married this year, actually. They hit 50 this year. Right. And we told you guys we had a pretty stout lineup of couples, and the Franklins are the perfect couple for us to kick it off with. They are. They are who I aspire to be always. Yeah. Because they're a vibrant couple. They're both individually very well educated and they're on their personal journey, but their journey that crosses over together for their marriage and their family and all of that is equally as exciting. And you're going to be in for a treat because they offer us so much wisdom. Yeah. These guys are, it's like they're, they're, they haven't even peaked yet. I know. They are just in their prime and they're what, 70 They're both 70. Yeah, yeah, 70, 71. uh, And they are just thriving. I mean, they're both still growing. They're growing in their relationship. They're growing professionally. Elaine with her coaching. Steve's doing all kinds of different stuff, whether it's with his book or uh, all the the development and fundraising and just business stuff that he's doing. Um, So many neat things that they're just still involved in and grandparents. Right. And And they just take life by storm. I love that. That's something that I really am challenged by with them is to not look like, wow, I've hit the halfway mark. Woe is me. What's next? They really paint this amazing picture of how intentional you can be with your life and how full it can be. And we couldn't be more excited for you guys to hear from them. Yeah. So we did this. We broke it into two episodes because they've been married 50, 50 years this year. Uh, The first episode, we're going to talk about the first 25 years. Mm -hmm. And the second episode, we're going to get into the second 25 because there's some different issues and different things that we were curious about. Absolutely. Being married now almost 20, so in our 19th year, uh, really looking at what what does what's next look like for us. But we also know there's some listeners that are really thinking through, hey, we've been married for five years. Mm -hmm. What's the first 25 look like? So we dig in first episode, first 25, then we get into the second 25. And we even asked some similar questions you guys heard in the parenting. What do you wish you did more of? What do you wish you did less of? Because those are such important things as you look back and reflect that I think all of us can then learn from and see, wow, I want to learn from what their mistakes are, what they realize looking back, they wish we would have done more of, less of, and and be able to apply those things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of applicable stuff that they were able to share and super, super excited to share it with you guys. We've taken tons of notes and uh, we just want to be sponges when it comes to folks that have been married this long. Right. That's our aspiration. We want to be married 50 plus years. Right. And we realize we're not even halfway there. So we just want to learn. And exciting news is we still have so much more fun ahead of us and so many more things for us to do together as well as as a family. So let's go ahead and jump in with Steve and Elaine and uh, hear what they have to say. Well, we're sitting down with Steve and Elaine Franklin. We are super excited to uh, sit and learn from you, Jan and I. We've known you guys for years now, uh, but we've never got to sit down in this context and really just dig in and learn uh, just about the 50 years, or is it more than 50? Right at 50. Right at in 50. In July. 50 in July. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you for making some time to sit with us. Before we jump in and start really asking some just really good questions about just how you got 
through the 50. Tell us a little bit about your story. Like, how did you guys meet? Uh, a little bit about your family. Give us a little bit on the Franklins. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My parents were both Texans, and all their family lived in Texas. But my dad, after World War II, was transferred by American Airlines to Tulsa. So I felt like I grew up in the middle of America. Really, Oklahoma isn't called Middle America, Mm -hmm. but it is just about in the middle of America. And it was the era of you didn't lock your front door, you didn't lock your cars, you didn't—it just was— the kids would go out and bike up and down the streets right. and come home when it started to get dark. And uh, it was a great, safe growing up place. Mm-hmm. The majority of people I knew uh, went to church mm-hmm. of some sort or the other. So um, it was a very family-centered environment in which I grew up. I went to college at Abilene Christian University, so I went back to Texas mm-hmm. to go to college. And uh, my freshman year, as most people are, I was put with a roommate, and that roommate had a boy back home, and of course I had a boyfriend back home. (laughs) And so we prayed uh, every night together for our boys back home. (laughs) And that's how I got to know Steve, because Grace's boyfriend was Steve (laughs) back at the University of Florida. He got a lot of prayer. Yeah, and he was an SAE, so he needed a lot of prayer. And I felt the prayer. Uh, and at the encouragement of her parents, who were Steve's spiritual parents, mm-hmm. he transferred to Abilene and uh, in the middle of his junior year because he decided that he wanted to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace was no longer there. She went back to the Southeast to go to school, but uh, to be a, a good friend to my friend's friend, mm-hmm. I got to know Steve, and uh, over time we developed a relationship and were engaged and married a year later. Wow. So uh, we were engaged for over a year, I guess I should say. And we're great friends with her and That's her right. roommate, my former girlfriend, their yeah. family, their son lived with us for over a year. Okay. So it's been oh, a great, so neat cool. relationship. We yeah. Did. Kind of cool, neat, neat story. Yeah. That'd be a long, that'd be a podcast all into itself. <laughs> I was born in Augusta, Georgia. My dad was a doctor. He was in med school. Uh, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And I've got two brothers, an older brother, Ben. Which mama named me Ben Franklin. Everybody remember my name better. And our younger brother David, who lives here in Atlanta. Ben lives down in South Georgia at our family farm. And when I was 12, my parents were divorced. Uh, nobody got divorced in 1959 that I knew of. Mm-hmm. So I went into high school. Back then we had K through 6 and then 7 through 12. Is the only kid that I knew that, did, that didn't have a dad around. So I went from kind of the big man on campus, captain of the patrol boy in sixth grade, to really quite um, susceptible and feeling sort of uh, low self-esteem and not having a dad around. It was kind of kind of interesting. But uh, it, in my junior year, if you've been familiar with the organization Young Life, a uh, young life leader, Charlie Scott, got hold of me and wow. invited me out to the camp out west. And I came to know Jesus and start walking with him between my uh, junior and senior year. And then went to the University of Florida and got really? involved with some other guys that were great mentors to me that came down from the University of Georgia to go to law school. And... Um, by the middle of my junior year, uh, the parents of Grace, who is, again, still one of our dearest friends on earth, uh, suggested I go to Abilene Christian to study the Bible. Because I, I really thought I wanted to be a minister at that time, full-time minister. So I went out there, met Elaine, fell in love with her, mm-hmm. came back, told Grace that I loved her, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but had fallen in love with her roommate. And like I say, we were still great friends. Elaine, in fact, was in her, her, her wedding. Mm-hmm. And they're still married, too, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah, cool. they've been married, I guess, 48, 48. years. 48 years. So great, great friends. 
So that's how we met, and it's okay. been a wonderful journey ever since. It'll be fifty years this July twelfth. Congrats! Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Now, that's when really you cool. were in college, did you stay in Oklahoma or where's Abilene? Texas. 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 In Abilene, Texas. So, did you stay there post post marriage? No. no. When we were there, we had a mentor couple actually mm-hmm. who encouraged four of our young couples to come to Atlanta when we graduated, and all of them, as well as this older gentleman, well, he wasn't much older, but he was our mentor. They were going to Columbia Theological Seminary. Okay. So Steve said, well, I want to be a preacher. Let me go to seminary. So we moved from Abilene, Texas, a week after we, well, two days, really, three we started the journey to come to Atlanta. Wow. And that's what brought us to Atlanta, uh, really, f- almost 50 years ago, wow. was Steve was going to go to seminary. Well, all of them had started the Greek course that you had to take prior to school starting, because this was July. (laughs) Well, Steve missed the first two weeks of it because of our wedding, et cetera, and they were all moaning and groaning over Greek. And uh, this gentleman, wise gentleman in the church we were attending said, Steve, why are you going to seminary? And he didn't have a good answer. Do you want to share your answer? I said, because I got three buddies going there. He said, that's not a good reason (laughs) to go to seminary. So I dropped out and completed my business undergraduate major and then went on to get an MBA and then later a PhD and a college professor and all of that. So that's how we got to Atlanta. Wow. I do want to go back real quick because you mentioned when you were at University of Florida, you had some good guys that came from the University of Georgia. I just wanted to make sure that we touched on the good guys. (laughs) Yeah, the good guys from Georgia. Came from the University of Georgia. There was a guy named Andrew Crenshaw. He he later was a company, and he came there for law school. So I was a freshman. He was a freshman in law school, and he took three of us, my roommate, and another guy, and just mentored us. Wow. And we go, he'd take us to church on Sunday, and afterwards we'd have lunch together. And then we actually started a campus crew now, but we called it by then oh, Campus yeah. Crusade for Christ. We started a chapter unofficially down there at the University of Florida. That sounds so, like a so Georgia, Georgia kind of guy. Georgia kind of guy. <laughs> that sounds like so a We love Georgia. Georgia. Listen, our son went to Georgia. <laughs> that's right. So I paid more tuition at Georgia than I paid at Florida, so I'm, I'm a good dog. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Good dog. I love Georgia Tech, too, because both my brothers went to Georgia Tech. So right. we're a very eclectic, it in the inclusive state. family. We that's are right. very inclusive. <laughs> I don't mind Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> I, I root for them when we're not, when we're not playing them. So you touched on your families a little bit. Let's yeah. talk about the marriages that were modeled for you. Right. Obviously, Steve, you had divorce that came in your yeah, family, my, my, but what did it look like prior to that? Like, Well, you know, it was I, I had a wonderful life up to the time I was 12 years old. I mean, we lived out in this wonderful 13 acres. My dad was a doctor. Unbeknownst to me or whatever, my dad made plenty of money for that back there in the 50s. Yeah. Didn't know that though. We didn't think we were rich. We were, but we we but we we didn't think of that. And Mr. Jeter was rich because he was a lawyer for Prudential, and Mr. So and So was rich. But my dad was a country doctor. But uh, we were very well off. We lived on 13 acres, and it was fun. Uh, we we had we had just a great time growing up, and it was very uh, shocking. It was just uh, I thought we had a mom and dad loved each other. I just didn't know. My dad worked all the time. He was right. kind of a solo practitioner, and he'd be mm-hmm. gone early in the morning, home at late at night, and on weekends. In fact, I would go into the office at the time sometime with him on weekends on Saturdays he opened up his office and free medicine for anybody that for on Saturdays oh, wow. that was just part of his you know yeah. uh, what a Hippocratic oath or something like that and so I used to go in and help him and thought I'd be a doctor someday when yeah. I found out I was colorblind I couldn't <laughs> tell a inflamed piece of tissue in one of the surgeries <laughs> I, I did with my dad 
<laughs> yeah, I said, whoops, I probably won't be a, be a doctor. But then uh, one night, it was an awful night. My dad, uh, unfortunately, got on prescription drugs. He had a blackout one night, almost killed my mother. And then uh, they separated and we divorced. I didn't see my dad for eight or nine years. Oh, my God. So it was sad. So I, so I went through, as I mentioned, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade with no dad around. Times. My mom finally remarried. A guy, and uh, right as I had become a Christian that June, mm-hmm. and she had been married almost a year, and in August he drops dead of a heart attack. Oh, uh, about a year and three days after they'd been married, mm-hmm. so uh, and hadn't had a chance. And he was a great guy; he loved me. He'd gone to the University of Florida. He wanted me yeah. to be his son. He had three daughters, so I had just a real uh, sort of uh, from the time my parents were divorced. Right, it was horrific, and not knowing anybody else that had divorced parents until my senior year, I met a gal. And uh, she had divorced parents, and literally we dated our senior year. We were the only two kids right. in, our, in, the, in our senior class that knew hmm. that there may have been others, but yeah. we didn't know them. Right. So I came from a family that, you know, were divorced, uh, didn't really have a dad, yeah. uh, came to the games or anything like that. Yeah. So it was kind of, in a, in a way, sad. But, I, again, I had great friends, and when, when then I was invited to go to Young Life and started walking with Jesus, I had lots of friends, and I sort of developed into, again, sort of becoming self having some self-esteem and self-awareness and know that God loved me. And it, I was uh, I was just as special as, as anybody else. Uh, but it, it was kind of rough. So when I met Elaine, who she can tell you about her family, that's I said, that's the kind of family hmm. I want my family Aww. to be like. So tell us about that family. My parents, uh, both good Texas folks, uh, married, actually met and married when my mother was 27, my dad was 30. Wow. And that was, uh, they married... Right after Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. And, you know, that really energized American young men. Even though my dad was 30, he went and signed up hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. the Army Air Corps. Wow. And he was off in two months after they married. He was really? gone for 39 months. Oh, wow. And they had the, the kind of love and devotion uh, with, a, with a Christian base in their hearts of, you know, just good old Texas folks. My mother wrote my dad every day really? for those 39 months. Wow. Yeah. And he Such said a dying art too, right? That's right. And Actual sometimes pen and paper writing. He would get a stack of letters because when he was out in a foxhole in North Africa, um, they'd come in piles. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't keep them uh, because of their their journeying, but right. it was a very very sweet story. So at, at 2 years after he was back and was transferred from Fort Worth, Texas up to Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, I was born. So my mother was 35 and my dad was 38. Uh, so I had the privilege of growing up with mature parents. Yeah. Now there's good news and bad news about that. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're mature. And along came your sister. Yeah, my sister who's two years younger, Theresa, who's my dearest friend, my best friend. Uh, we just had a glorious, uh, very middle-class America out in the countryside right. growing up. It mm-hmm. was it was a good time, a small country school, and they gave us every opportunity. My mother had grown up working in the cotton fields. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad had grown up all over West Texas living in the oil fields. So their life experience was incredible. Right. And uh, I went to church three times a week, you know, okay. Sunday, yeah. that Sunday was your night, right. Wednesday night. And grew up with the values and with the character of two very special parents. I quit going to church as soon as I could drive. <laughs> yeah. Steve, looking back, um, did you have did you have a different outlook 
when it came to marriage because of your experience? Were you tentative when you thought about you getting married? Uh, was there something that came from seeing your parents divorce that there was caution? Yeah, because I had three buddies whose parents were married, and they were they all loved me, and I loved them, and uh, and I saw healthy. As far as I could tell, sure. relationships with my three good buddies. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted that. I, I, I love the fact they, they had their mom and their dad. And their dads always were at the football games. And their dads were at the booster club. And my dad wasn't. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I think I probably, I didn't think about it all the time, of course, but mm-hmm. I, I wished for that. Yeah. I wished yeah. that my dad had been around. And then yeah. when Charlie Scott came along as my young life leader, he certainly became sort of a surrogate dad. Mm-hmm. But but not the same as a dad. So, yeah, I yearned for a prior to 12 yeah. uh, family because yeah. we had, we did. I mean, even though I didn't see my dad a lot, he worked a lot. He loved what he did. My grandmother told me one time she knew he wanted to be a doctor from the time he was three, mm. which I think instilled in me early, do what's your passion, you know, find what your passion mm-hmm. is and do it. My dad was a, a brilliant doctor, a great doctor, as far as a country doctor, but he just, uh, mm-hmm. he just was great. He loved it, and mm-hmm. he just loved being a doctor. So, uh, and you were blessed with wonderful grandparents. Oh, my, my grandparents yeah. were my safe place. My dad's mom and dad That's lived right. in a little town called Matter, Georgia. Everything's better in Matter. Yep. <laughs> my, mom, my, mom's grand, my mom's daddy was in Stillmore. There's more in Stillmore. That's right. And I would go up there, and I spent most of the summer there in Matter and Stillmore. Mm-hmm. I mean, like eight, eight to nine weeks of summer. Back then, we had three full months of summer. Yeah. Right. And so when I went up, my grandparents were my safe place, my fun place. Uh, my, and me, my papa, my dad's parents, they were married for. 60 years. She he lived to be 93. She was wow. about 90. Uh, Daddy Reamer had his wife, my uh, biological grandmother, had died very early from breast cancer, so I never knew her, but he had married Grandma Francis when the year I was born, 1947. Mm-hmm. So Grandma Francis and Daddy Reamer mm-hmm. were my grandparents, <laughs> and they were just fun and great. And it was they, were, they, had, they, they lived on a farm, a real farm, had an outhouse. <laughs> it was so cool. We thought it was so yeah. And a real well that we had to pull water up from. But over in, in Metter, my granddaddy there, he was a, he was a merchant farmer. He had a hardware mm-hmm. store, and they lived in a house in town, so we had indoor plumbing and all that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool, too. So I had the best of both worlds. Yeah. yeah. So, so, that, so, yes. So, so for my grandparents, I saw good marriages. Solid. Yeah. Solid yeah. marriages. Good. Love. Yeah. Uh, stability. That's what I yeah. wanted for myself. Gotcha. That's great. And when now, I did Elaine, you see, as you guys got married, say your first couple years, mm-hmm. how did those different upbringings play out? Did that impact your marriage a little bit? I got a lot yeah. of reactions. Yes. It did. Uh, in our More for her than me. Right. Our, our senior year of college, because we were engaged that whole year, but we were both busy with our majors and all of our activities. But being together, and then, I mean, as soon as we married and moved to Atlanta and Steve decided not to go to seminary, I was teaching school full-time and he was working part-time, and we were both in graduate school. So I think jumping into just being super busy and also being a part of a lay ministry in a mm-hmm. church, a campus ministry, right. we uh, uh, didn't see each other as much as I thought we were going to. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Steve is, and I knew this, but I didn't really understand it because I didn't live with it day in, day out. He is the most extroverted person. <laughs> Are I you kidding me? Ever. I didn't know that. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. And the other extrovert. <laughs> it, it would be like on weekends, of course, being a school teacher of sixth and seventh graders, I had papers to grade and I had tests to make and I had a lot of that kind of work. 
Well, Steve, being the extrovert because of no school, he didn't go to school on the weekends, uh, it was always bringing in the people. Yeah. You know, Sunday lunch, well, let's have 12 people over in our little apartment. So it was always activity and all, always busyness. And mm-hmm. there was, we really started out having time together, but it was always a big together. There yeah, was right, always a right, gathering right. when we were together. Mm. So it was an, an, an that was the most interesting thing to me. Yeah. I I thought, oh dear, <laughs> my family was like we had we had Sundays alone. <laughs> Yeah, see, I was always, after 12, looking for something to do, be people yeah. to be with on Sunday, because I didn't have a dad around to go do stuff with and whatever. My mom was, uh, I can't remember what, I, my mom was a great mom. Oh, she was super, but I, she was busy doing other yeah. things yeah. and whatever. So I think for Lane, she was the solid anchor. Uh, putting up with me is what I think was the, her biggest uh, adaptation. Mine was just, I, I just kept being the the extroverted me and, and mm. have always loved to be with people you all know. Right, and I just, right. Like, give me a crowd, I love it, and... I'm a connector, and I don't know what color I am. I don't know what the Enneagram I am. I know I'm an ENTP on Myers-Briggs. I think you're a bright, shiny And guy. I did not have one single <laughs> introversion score on the EI thing. I mean, I'm so, so I do. So I think that, uh, and maybe you'll get to this a little bit. We, we both thought about this. What would we do less of or more of this first 25 years if we had to do it over again or the second 25? So for me, it was just because Elaine was so great. She's such a solid rock, and that's mm-hmm. why I admired her when I met her in, in, in Abilene, that she was a leader, as you can imagine. She was kind of ahead of everything going on there, and I admired that, and I uh, loved that, and said, I want to marry this girl. So we did. <laughs> well, and if I could back up and just interject something yeah. about the year, uh, being engaged for over a year. We've told a lot of young couples who meet and want to get married in three months, mm-hmm. think about being engaged at least a year because mm. then you go through the, all the seasons, the seasons right. together. Yes. You go through all the family events together. That's you find true. out about sharing together. <laughs> and I remember I, just, I never had shared this with Steve but Valentine's Day I shared with him. The first Valentine when we were engaged he was off at another university at a Martin Luther King event. Martin Luther King was still alive then, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, th- that was big in, sure. in 1968, 69. And he had gone off. It, it wasn't even a thought of his because he didn't have modeled for him a dad who romanced a wife. Right. He, he, he just didn't. So my dad always on Valentine's Day brought me, my sister, and my mother flowers and a box of candy. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that's what everybody did right. to the girls in their life, you know. And there Steve was gone, no card, no <laughs> see ya, no happy Valentine. And I remember sitting on the college campus, I told him, in front of this little drugstore. I can see it. I close my eyes right now. And I remembered saying to myself, can I live with this for the rest of my life? Mm. And that's the question I started asking myself that year. Will I be okay with this? Right. If so, Never bring it up again. Right. Never pout about it. Never act up about it. If you, if I can say Valentine's Day, and it happened to be then birthday, that's <laughs> you just have to. If if I can say I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm trying I'm to get better. With that. Trying to get better. Well, no, it's <laughs> but it's okay. Right. Because I made that decision before yeah. we got married. Yeah, that's, that's wise. That is very wise because that's the thing you have to. If you're going to carry the grudge and it is a deal breaker, then don't move forward. No. And I think a lot of people think it'll change, it'll change. 
And maybe it does. You know, communication helps with a lot of things. However, there are some core things that people, I think, um, concede on. Yeah, yeah well, so if you got change. a listener that's not in, not married yet, mm-hmm. we strongly encourage a year engagement. I mean, right. I, I mean, there's lots of exceptions, and maybe you all weren't married, engaged the whole year. Mm-hmm. But if you're already married and if you didn't get engaged, you got a great marriage, good for you. We just think that that, yeah. for us, It set you good. up for success. It was for good. So, yeah, it gave us a lot more to work with and work through and all those Especially sorts of Especially as young, being in college, we yeah. were young yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. when we made that commitment. And let me say this. I will uh, give Steve credit. We received for a wedding gift a real sweet uh, silver bud vase. (laughs) Perfect. And when I was teaching, I came home, and it was uh, one birthday, and there were six red rosebuds. Well, we didn't have two nickels to rub together, and I thought, oh, isn't that sweet? He He gave me flowers, my first. And so I go over to bend over and smell these red rosebuds. And I tell people, I cut my nose because they were plastic. <laughs> and he said, oh, well, I got you plastic so you could get them out anytime you need a flower. It's covered for all the holidays. Y'all, I've got those flowers. It makes a lot of I, sense. They're right in this next room. I'd love to show them to you. <laughs> that is great. We'll post them on our Facebook page. That's <laughs> we'll a strong a case right there for thoughtfulness. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> oh, I didn't have any money and flowers die in a hurry. I'm a, and I'm a thinker. And I'm a, I'm a thinker. And, and so I just thought this would be great. She Anytime she wants, Classic. and they had that spray you could spray on. They kind of smell like roses. That's right. That's <laughs> cool. That's very thoughtful. Guys, don't do that. Thought that don't do that. Right. If you're listening to this, don't do that. Not <laughs> real roses. Happy but wife, but happy I've still, life. I've still kept them. She does. That's right. That's right. So over the 50 years, has that changed a little bit? Are you? Do you see the need for a card or flowers for Elaine? Oh yes. Okay. Um, I, but I don't. Bet, I don't bet a thousand on that. I'll be right. honest with you. I don't. Right. I, I'm better at it, and I have been so blessed in my life with great assistance. I've just been incredibly blessed with <laughs> great assistance. My my assistant, Carla, now, she's just awesome. Y'all know Carla. She's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, they have helped remind me of all those things because <laughs> we have a kind of a little bit of this dialogue with my assistants when I right. have them ahead. I say, listen, here's what I don't do well. Here's what I really do great. You need to help me with this. That's and good, so, but that's yeah. a but, but Yes, I'm more mindful I am. And I think his grandkids have rolled around, too. I try yeah. to be mindful with three granddaughters and a, right. and a daughter and mm-hmm. all of that. So I've gotten better, but I'm yeah. not as good as other guys. And I would say, guys, you need to keep romancing your wife for 50-plus years. Yeah. Well, we want to focus in this first episode about the first 25 right. of the 50. What's been the hardest thing when you look back at the first 25 years of your marriage? What was the hardest thing that you, if you could point to one thing, that you had to work through? in your marriage? For me, I think it's sharing Steve. He is such a giver. That is his hallmark. He Mm -hmm. is a giver. And um, it's just uh, knowing that whether it's people coming into our home, Mm -hmm. whether it's him making appointments with everybody in the world all day and night, uh, really being okay with sharing him Mm -hmm. with other Mm -hmm. people. And he shares himself with me, too. But it, it's something over time uh, that that I had to realize was just his nature, and it's how he works best. Right. Right. So uh, it what it really did for me was allow me to to follow what I don't know whether you ever heard Tommy Nelson speak, mm-hmm. but he he talks about when you're traveling on yeah. two roads yeah. and you come along and you see someone mm-hmm. else going in the same direction yep. you're going yep. and you're parallel going together and to me I take that a step further is 
I knew that I couldn't hop on Steve's road. I couldn't go and try to become an extension or I used to say to people that I thought better of it I, I followed in his jet stream no right I'm more like the the blue angels mm-hmm. I'm maneuvering right side by side yeah. with mm-hmm. him doing what God put me on my road to do yeah. and applauding him for his but but it's it's still hard sometimes yeah. to know that I would like a little more of his time that he's giving and needs to give and wants to give to mm-hmm. others. But he's he has become more sensitive to that. And I've become more vocal about it yeah. right. over time. But particularly when we were first married. Oh, my goodness. I would sit sometimes in our apartment on a Friday night and, and cry. I, I didn't... I mean, I was all by myself yeah. because Steve was out. How long, how long did it take you to learn that, to have the awareness and then the conversation mm-hmm. to where you were... Um, I've heard, I think it, maybe it was John Woodall that first shared this with us. It's the the idea of where the, the challenge or the differences are rubs until you get to the point where you celebrate the differences and mm-hmm. embrace the differences. How long was that process for you working through that of, because you know, I would imagine the first year you didn't figure it out and go, okay, for the next 48 now, I'm good. What was that process like figuring that out for you guys? Wow. For me, I I think I started really figuring it out when we had our first child Mm -hmm. and I wasn't working any longer. I was, I was going to be an at, we decided that I would be an at home mom and Mm I loved doing that. And then you have a lot more alone time. Absolutely. (laughs) You crave the extra person. You're like, I got to tag out. And one, one night that was a marker for me is we had some dear friends over who had two little girls and we had this little toddler and they had a toddler and a, and a, uh, three-year-old, and after they left, Steve said, "You talked the whole night." <laughs> he said, "Did you real?" I mean, he was just shocked <laughs> because he's usually the talker more than yeah. I. And I said, "I did," and I just started crying. I literally started. I said, "That's because I've had no adult conversation, right, mm, for a year." Yeah, and that felt terrible. <laughs> but I, I didn't real. I think you don't realize what yeah. you you don't know. Right. But that started me really thinking about how important it is to get those needs met. Yeah. And uh, Steve's heard me say this a zillion times because I read it in my utmost for his highest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve gave me that book before we got that devotion yes. before we got married. Mm-hmm. And when I read the the devotion on April nineteenth, where Oswald says any unguarded strength is an, a double weakness. I realized that anything we carry to an extreme, like that night when I went extreme mm-hmm. and didn't even know it, um, is dangerous. Yeah. So we talk hmm. about that a lot. And Steve helps me like that night saying, did you know what you did tonight? <laughs> you know, for me, I, it really was easy. I, I really didn't struggle at all because Elaine's such a great wife and she puts up with me and put up with me and and recognized and accepted my extroversion and just need to get to as many people as I can mm-hmm. to share the love of Jesus the way ever he has me do that mm-hmm. before I die and mm-hmm. um, and I think I was thinking about the end of the 25th you know we were, uh, I think we were been married about three years when Angela came along and about five years when or four years when Stephen came along and so at about that 25th year, I would say the biggest you know, struggle then just became uh, uh, just dealing with some of their issues, mm. 
because my son, you know, bumped into some real tough challenges for him. He's doing fabulous now, but just some real tough issues that we had to deal with as parents, learning how to, when they get to be about 18, 19, really they're adults. They're not kids anymore. You're still Mm -hmm. their parents, but they're adults. And how do you begin to be parenting adult children? Angela was 20, and I got married a little after that. So other than that, I mean, those first, till the kids came along, of course, it was joyful when they were young and whatever, but when they got older then and began to experience some challenges in life, as children ultimately do, like we all do, uh, it really I really didn't have to adjust to it a lot because, again, I, Elaine gave me a lot of leeway. She gave me a lot of grace, and I just she, she modeled so much what I had hoped for in a wife mm-hmm. and had helped create a, a family unit that we were. Here we were, husband and wife, two kids, healthy. Thank you, God, one of each sex, boy and girl. Whatever. I mean, it was, I was sort of living the desire, I don't know if call it a dream, that I'd hoped for and saw in her sister and her with her parents mm-hmm. that I'd hoped for, you know, than I had before my yeah. parents were divorced. Hmm. And quite honestly, it, it started before we were even engaged. We, pra- we prayed together, mm-hmm. which was uh, back then, uh, that wasn't something that was normal mm-hmm. you yeah. know that right. wasn't natural but Steve, a lot. Steve right. invited me to pray with him and that has been I think the bedrock of our relationship because mm. every night we're together or morning uh, we pray together mm-hmm. and we often hear each other in those prayers yeah. and in that prayer mm-hmm. time so that opened uh, us to hearing I think beyond ourselves right. I think God has blessed that Listening and mm-hmm. talking time together with him uh, in just unique ways, particularly in those early years of marriage, because there weren't secrets. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, that's I think the power of praying with your your spouse is you do you hear them through a different lens. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more. Um, I think you're more open to it, or maybe even pleasantly surprised, mm. even if you know sometimes what's on your spouse's heart. When you hear them say it out loud, there's something very freeing and also unifying as a couple. And there's an intimacy that comes from that that gives you more grace sometimes to handle even the difficult things about each other, if that makes sense. And that, if I can say, was at the core and is at the core of our intimacy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's great. It is very hard to stay angry at your spouse if you pray together. Mm-hmm. At the end of the night or first thing in the morning. We usually do it at night and in morning, unless one of us has to get up before the other and go somewhere. And it's just been one of those. And I share that with young couples, old couples, mm-hmm. whatever. You start praying out loud mm-hmm. with your spouse at night before you go to bed or in the morning first thing you get up. It's going to be a it's hard good end of the day or a good start of the day. I mean, that means you're not going to yeah. have differences or things to iron out and work out. But it's just for us, it's been a real bedrock to our... I think getting along so well with each other. That kind of leads into this next um, question uh, we wanted to ask: is um, if we've we've got some listeners probably that are at that five year, ten year mark, and they're mm-hmm. looking at it going, man, fifty. I just that's just mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to make fifty so long, far away. Are we going to make that? Um, what are two or three things? And I would imagine praying together. You've already talked about how that's something you guys mm-hmm. share. What are maybe one or two other things that you can think of that you guys have either mm-hmm. done and seen that's gotten you through the 50 years to the 50 years or even that you've maybe learned from and go, gosh, I wish, you know, if we would have done this, this, this as, you know, we made an adjustment and this right. got us through. 
to the 50. And one is I would say that we're real good at is calendaring together. <laughs> we pull out our calendars together at least, what, two, three times a week and always have hmm. so that we stay because we've always been busy. Both okay. of us have always been wonderfully busy. Now, That's right. Uh, and so, and because what calendaring does, pulling out your calendars, you're talking about, okay, what you got planned, what you got planned, what you got planned, what do I need to change this and that and the other. And so you're communicating right. about what's coming up. Right. And so that's really helped us a lot. And we still do that to this day. Mm-hmm. We've always done that. Um, I'm, I've moved to electronic calendars. She's moved, she still stays with the paper, which is great. <laughs> but, that, but, but, and usually it's done around a meal time. Mm-hmm. Usually it's either right before we eat. Or right after we eat, mm-hmm. sometimes while we're eating, but not really, because uh, I, I read a study somewhere long ago, it was a Harvard study or something, that the one thing they could determine that kept families together more was eating together than the evening Absolutely. meal. Absolutely, yeah. And the most fun thing I do in the entire life that I do, it's not play golf, it's not fly things, it's not uh, go to events, it's eating together. That's the most fun thing I do in life. Mm. And so for me, whenever I'm sitting down and eating with Lane, it's and we're talking and we're calendaring. It's just it's just rich communication for me. And well, I, look I forward think to that it. crosses the paths, you know, so that you're engaging in each other. Even yeah. though, like you said, Elaine earlier, you're you're flying next to each other, right? You're yeah. doing your passions, yeah. but when you have those communicate, when you have the prayer, and also when you're even calendaring, even though it sounds like ritual or, or a habit or whatever, that bridges your gap. Right, that crosses your path, so you're engaging in each other's worlds and finding out what's important and what meetings happening or who are you visiting with, and that helps you guys stay connected, mm-hmm. even though it is also logistical. Sure. And as I said, we were both in graduate school, and one of the things that really, uh, because I was a teacher, was interesting to me were personalities and appreciating the differences, mm-hmm. the way God made us uniquely different. And I read a lot. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the important things is to be a student mm-hmm. of one another, yep. right. to appreciate the fact that, mm-hmm. hey, Steve's an extrovert, he's perceptive, he has the more entrepreneurial uh, tendencies and, and interests, and knowing that that's what drew me to him. Because in those first two years of marriage, Part of the biggest frustration was the very thing I fell in love with him about. But when you're living with it day in and day out, you go, oh, my goodness, this is going to make me crazy. Uh, But it's growing to see how can I give him, and it's very hard. In fact, fortunately, I learned before we were married that I was never going to change him. Hmm. And when I heard that message, I thought, well, Darn. (laughs) Um, But once I saw after a couple of years, our first couple of years of marriage, that, no, I'm not going to change him. And he doesn't need a mother. He doesn't want a mother. I'm not to mother him. Then, then we began to, to grow respectful of one another. Mm-hmm. When I started reading about all the personality tendencies, the way God wired us so differently, uh, and then later on, really in our first 25 years, the, the Love Languages book came mm-hmm. out, and right. I read that, and I went, oh, there well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just Same being us. willing to be students of one another was one of yeah. the greatest helps to get through that year mm-hmm. two, year five, year ten. That's great. Because you appreciate yourself. That's mm-hmm. huge. You should be a lover of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you love and learn to love those aspects of your mate. And then you can also figure out what signals you give each other when maybe that, like I said with Oswald Chambers, you see it going to the extreme, mm-hmm. the strength to an extreme. Right. Because that's really where most people get tripped up. Right. I've told always my students that we're all a composite of three things in life. 
We're a composite of the books we read, the people we meet, and the places we go. That's really what we're made up of. Mm-hmm. So read as much as you can, meet as many people as you can, and go to as many places as you can. And so Elaine and I both have been big readers about the opposite sex. So I've read right. Men Are From Mars, Venus, Women Are From Venus. <laughs> I've read Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. <laughs> I've read all of John and Stacey Eldridge's books, the one she written, has written and one That's he's right. written. I mean, I, I, and I tell young guys, you need to study your wife because her mm-hmm. biological and chemical dance is different than yours. Yeah. It's a lot more complex. You better. And ladies, you better read A Wild at Heart. You better read some right. of these books to understand what you've got here. Mm-hmm. A warrior. That's you know, right. Uh, That's and right. and uh, so... Uh, that's how I really think that I think we've done a good job of that. We've really both done a good job at and she has me read books and occasionally I'll have her right, hey, you ought to read this. And we really do a lot of that. That's great. So I think that I think that's important. I think I, it is too. I think oftentimes, at least in our limited time being married, is that you will come across people and even probably early on, you want so desperately for the other person to be what you want them to be. Instead of you really praying and learning how you can make them how they're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember early on in our marriage is when Chris was trying to figure out jobs and things like that. And I remember we were in a place where I had a steady job and he was... Um, had some companies that had downsized and it was just one of those times of life where things were uncertain and he was trying to get a firm footing and... But we had wound up giving a dedicated time to him going, I go, just find what it is that you love. You know, instead yeah. of I could have been like, just get a paycheck. I'm, yeah. I don't want to be the sure. burden carrier, la, 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 right? right? And that was such a transitional time for yeah. our marriage yeah. is knowing that when he was super duper happy, he could provide all day long, yeah. right? And that gave me freedom to do what I wanted to do if it was work or if I wanted to stay home or what have you. But that would just be my two cents on the heels of what you guys said sure. to marriages is that what you love about each other, pray that you can enhance that in your partner mm-hmm. and allow them to flourish yes. in it. And ultimately they will love you better if they're, you know, living out what they were created to do. Well, I, I tell guys, as a guys, if you know more facts and figures and details about your favorite sports team or sports car or sport, than you do your wife and all the phases of life she's going through, or going to go through whatever shame on you. You're not doing your homework. That's right. Yep. And I tell ladies, if you know more about your favorite uh, color or dresses or interior designs or whatever mm-hmm. than you do about your husband, you're not doing your job. Yeah. You know, if you both study each other. Right. And, and now we have so many resources. Mm-hmm. When right. we first got married 50 years ago, there weren't all these great authors ever coming out mm-hmm. and done so much research that we have today. There's right. no excuse now today for a man or a woman to not know a lot about each other yeah. right. and the dances of life they're both going through mm-hmm. to really be a better husband or wife. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that. That is so good. So when you think back on your first 25 years, what do you guys wish you would have done more of? Play? Yes. <laughs> what does play mean for you? Like, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, this is where we are very, very different. Uh, my mode of life is get the work done. And work could almost be seen as well, it's not seen as play, but it's seen as what, what gives me energy, okay? Yep. I've got to get the work done. And I'm very extreme on that, and I have to be very careful about that. Steve, on the other hand, is play. <laughs> he needs to make—he's gregarious. He's spur of the moment. He's the type that can think of a thousand ways to make it fun. Hmm. And 
that's why I was drawn to him. He was fun. You know, I didn't know how to be fun. But this is this is the key. When when somebody and I don't even remember who it was brought to my attention that I didn't need to depend upon him to be the one hundred percent total fun of our family, and I didn't need to be the one that did all the work in the family. Right. That it was an opportunity for us to help each other learn, help me to help him learn how to work, yeah. and. Him helped me to learn how to play. And maybe I pull too hard on the work side, uh, but I think graduate school did, a, did that mm-hmm. a bit and just the, the kind of work that you were always involved with. But finding what was playful together mm-hmm. uh, was something I wish we had worked harder at yeah. learning. Yeah. yeah, we both were working. We were so busy in graduate school and then had a family. And, and, and families or whatever. Yeah. And I wish we had been more intentional about playing things together. We did some, but not as much as uh, as I wish we would have liked to. So I wish we had learned to be more intentional about playing together. So is it safe to say you were both so driven yeah. to accomplishing some of mm-hmm. your yeah. goals? We're big, both big goal setters. Right. Big goal Which setters. are great. Goal setting is great. But, but in this case... To an extreme, right, right. can become a double weakness. And I, right. think, I, I think our... Go saying I want to get a master's, another master's, and a PhD, and get tenured and write two or three textbooks and get you know tenured so I could publish or I couldn't perish and all those <laughs> things going on those first twenty five and into yeah. the second twenty five uh, years uh, that that we did it we weren't as intentional about play mm-hmm. as we were about achieving the objectives that we wanted to do even with our children those sorts of things so. Even even when we had two young children, we lived near Emory. Steve was teaching in Emory, doing all the things he just mentioned, and. We bought a 65-year-old house. It was a beautiful old house, but it was 65 years old. Mm-hmm. It needed a lot of work. Mm. I mean, I went in and saw, oh, my, this is a project. And we did all the work ourselves, yeah. from scraping oh. the paint off the cabinets to uh, adding on to mm-hmm. putting in mm-hmm. new windows. Everything, we did it ourselves. Six coats of wallpaper to scrape oh off God. the dining room. <laughs> you know, and, and so that we did for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Plus, I started a doctoral program at Emory, and Steve was teaching, and we had these two young children. I, I don't know. I think we were crazy. We, we were we were working all yeah. the time. So that's and we loved it. We did, right. and we loved it. We loved working. You know, I tell because you, you were you, similar you, you in that mindset. You if you don't know what you're doing, it, you go find okay. something else. But yeah. we didn't play. I think the second thing I, I, in thinking about that, but I wish we had together, and that, that would go for the second twenty-five too. I wish we had together studied scripture together more, one on one together. I mean, one together. Right, right. I mean, we both are in, we've been in Bible studies. Like I've been in, I've been in a men's group almost forty years, and a lot of stuff like that. And and, and I think that's also something that you got to be careful about. Right. Ladies will be in three different Bible studies. Guys will be in four different Bible studies, whatever. But they're never then together, mm-hmm. sitting in together doing. So I wish we'd done that more. I think we probably compensated for it saying, well, we're praying together every morning and every night, and this and that and the Reading other. C.S. Lewis, Reading C.S. Lewis, or Lewis together, <laughs> going to church together, yeah. doing all that kind of good stuff. So I wish, I wish one thing we would have done more was together say let's study this book together Mm -hmm. let's study this passage of scripture yeah let's study this whatever together around scripture more uh and that's still this if you ask me for the second 25 i'll tell you the same thing and we're still working on that how do how do we because we're both as busy as we've ever been Mm -hmm. maybe busier than we've ever been at 50 years of marriage and 72 and 71 years young. You young, are young. Absolutely. You are my heroes. Yeah. I think I there's be... couples that need to hear that. I think there's a lot of couples out there now that they're in that same season. I know we're in that 
same yeah. season where there's just busyness. It's yeah. it's part Try of to be intentional. Part and of the, the days go by very quickly, yeah. and you look back and you're like, "Whoa, we still wanted to get all this done, and now we're losing some footing." You know what happens? Zig Ziglar had this great quote. He said, "Most people in life are wandering generalities, and they need to become meaningful specifics." Hmm. And I think married couples have got to get real meaningfully specific about mm-hmm. okay. What do we need to do more yeah. together to right. enrich our marriage, mm-hmm. to grow yeah. our relationship, to go deeper? Rather than, well, we're doing all the stuff that's kind of neat, David, yeah. and, and, and hoping that it'll kind of happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a sidebar question, then we'll wrap up. As so you as you were in this season, yeah. you know, the kids, the doctorates, the right. this, the that. How did that impact your marriage as you were heading into a season where your kids were graduating mm-hmm. and getting ready to leave the house? Did that just yeah. fuel you like, wow, we can do that much more? Or did you mm-hmm. look back and go, where are we? That's a great... I'll let Lorraine tell you her come to Jesus moment. Well, For then. me, there was not much trans because I'm busy, busy moving. Hey, they're going out. Great. God bless them. Super. They're off the payroll. We get a raise. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Okay, take more people out to dinner now. That's right. right? right. Have more people over. Ron Blue one time, he was looking at our budget. He was our first financial advisor, and he he said, man, you got a big number there on on dining. And I said, that's my fun. I don't play much golf. I don't go bowling a lot. I don't go to movies that much. I like to. uh, So for me, I didn't see much, but Lane can tell you the story about when our second child went off to college, and we then became an empty nester. It was a great transition story there for her. Mm -hmm. Which... I was just more aware because I was more day-to-day with the children Mm -hmm. and preparing them for college and to go off to college. It's it's like driving a car. You know, you have a rearview mirror, and we were the kind of people that we didn't look very frequently (coughs) into the rearview mirror. Hmm. We didn't (coughs) focus on the past, and we kept looking forward. So we just kept going. It, it, It wasn't a huge traumatic event the children for, for a moment it was when we took Angela to college. We drove home from Nashville and spoke not a word to one another. And Steve, the minute he got in the house, went into her bedroom. Oh. And neither one of us are real criers. Now that's not bragging; it's just the way yeah. God made us. He went up in Angela's room and sat and cried. Oh. Uh, so I said, where did eighteen years go? Right. right. It's just like poof. Uh, so we had those moments mm-hmm. of reflecting on that, but we just kept looking ahead uh, at what what was coming next. And if our children were to be sitting here, now they're 43 and 46, if they were sitting right here, I'd love to hear what they had to, yeah, right. had to say. When Stephen left, I went, hot dogs every night's a weekend night. You know? yes, <laughs> I do. I'm free. That's great. You won't have dinner anytime. You name it. I can That's do right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Right. It was a heyday. But That's when right. Elaine left, when Stephen left, I turned to Elaine and I said, what are you going to do now? For the rest of your life. <laughs> well, now, yeah, we were we were turning the corner onto Peachtree Dunwoody Road. We'd been to a fabulous, elegant dinner with a group of friends. I forgot what we were celebrating with mm-hmm. them. And it was just a lovely evening. Now, the, both out of the nest, we'd just moved into this house. Mm-hmm. And Steve turned to me and said, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I was so stunned. It was not a question, of course, I had anticipated. I, I, I just was finally taking a breath. Yeah. And, and we, we got home in the garage, and he came up and went upstairs like he always does. And I went back out and sat in the back seat of the car hmm. because I started heaving, crying Aww. so hard. I hadn't even thought about what I was going to do with the rest of my life. That, hmm. that hadn't even come across the radar. And 
finally he called to me, and I, I guess he wanted to ask a question, yeah. and he came down looking for me and saw that the light was on in the garage, and he opened the door, and I was, of course, lying in the back seat crying. <laughs> and I, he saw that, and I said, just go to bed. And so he did. <laughs> and I just spent the rest of the night. I, I came into the room just adjacent to where we're uh, seated now, opened my Bible in my lap and cried and just read Scripture saying, God, please speak to me. I don't have a clue Aww. what I'm doing with the rest of my life. Hmm. And that began the journey of the next yeah. 25 years. Wow. <laughs> well, we look forward to hearing that. One last question, and then mm-hmm. we'll, we'll wrap this episode up. Um, we talked about what would you do more, mm-hmm. first 25. Is there anything you'd share with folks that are listening? They're, in that, they're early in their first 25 years. They're in that 5, 7, 10-year mark. Um, what do you wish you would have done less of in those first 25? Yeah, for me, my extroversion and loving to connect and loving to go out and meet and greet the whole wide world and wrap your arms around them and make them feel loved um, is we should have done, I wish we had done less um, many, many social things and spent just more one-on-one time mm-hmm. together. Heard Warren Buffett say one time, he said, successful people in life say no to a lot of things. And the most successful people in life say no to most things. Hmm. And I didn't say no to anything. And I think I should have said no. I should have done less socializing, less bringing people into whatever home we were living in at the time, all the time. And less and spent more one-on-one time with her studying scripture together praying even more probably together mm-hmm. and focused on that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. That that's is good. very wise words. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think that when you're under stress and when you're uh, finishing a doctoral program, and I was Steve's chief typist, mm-hmm. uh, and there were, there were what well, most people don't experience as, as high-stress moments mm-hmm. in those early years. Um me entering a program, you know, our ch- young children, we just kept driving ourselves so. And what I would do is carry that work that I've already confessed to you, that work nature of needing mm-hmm. to get her done, mm-hmm. you know, making my list, checking it twice. Um, I carried that to an extreme. And one day Steve came home from Emory for lunch. I was down on the kitchen floor. Now, this was linoleum. <laughs> and I was down because I don't know how old it was. But I wanted to get it clean. You know, I just, right. I was at a point of carrying it to an extreme. I was down on the floor with a toothbrush cleaning this linoleum. And Steve comes home and he says, Elaine, I'm not going to eat lunch off the floor. Get up <laughs> off the floor. And it really was a wake-up call to don't let yourself go to extremes yeah, in, right. in whatever you're thinking you're needing mm. uh, because it looks ridiculous <laughs> uh, to other people. And I think maybe we did extremes, yeah. uh, an extreme amount of education, extreme amount of party uh, giving and people yeah. coming and living in our home and uh, all, all of that's good. Absolutely. But we, I think we went a little extreme. Yeah. I'm sure that was good for folks that were listening. I know it was good for us. Yes, and I know much. it was really good for me. Those were good words uh, to, uh, to hear. And, great. and we're still in our first 25. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. We're going to wrap up the first one, uh, but we're going to come back with you guys on a second episode. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. After sitting with them the first time, there's something I realized I never get tired 
of learning from people who are ahead of me. Yeah. I just don't ever get tired of it. And they are so inspiring and just excited about life, and but also very candid about areas that they have um, weaknesses and or course corrections. And it really is helpful as I think through where we are and where we're headed. Um, I love how they talk about each other's personalities and knowing each other and being a student of one another. Yeah. And I think what was good is that oftentimes we do think that to be an in a successful marriage, you have to be doing the exact same thing. And I love that they recognize where each, each of them had their own separate gifts. They recognized their gifts. They were each other's biggest cheerleaders, but they were traveling side by side. Yeah. I love that. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, just wise words. I mean, it's hard not to listen and and not just start taking notes and go. I I need to I need to take everything down mm-hmm. because these guys they're speaking from true experience of fifty years of marriage and right. and what they did in those first twenty five that's gotten them through that second twenty five. And I just loved what Steve talked about in the end when he just talked about how intentional he wanted to be, if he was to do one thing more, he talked about a couple things, but he would just be super intentional with prayer and just together being one-on-one because he was such the extrovert and then being more intentional with scripture. And I already thought of Steve and what I've known about Steve and just the conversation about already being very intentional, but yet the one thing he wishes he was more of, did more of is being that much more intentional. And so (laughs) such great words, such wise words, and uh, just really grateful we got to sit down and learn from them and with them, and, and super thankful you guys are having the opportunity to do, to do the same. Uh, if you guys will go out, um, you know the routine. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love your feedback. Please go out wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes or wherever that may be, uh, and give us some feedback. Rate us and review us. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to, to hear that, as well as that helps others find us. So if you'll make sure you go out and do that. That'd be great. We look forward to seeing you guys for the next 25 years with Steve and Elaine Franklin. Yeah, we'll we'll talk talk to you in the next one.